Hi there, it's Dave, and you're about to listen to the next episode of Star Wars Spins. Remember, folks, this is a podcast that's not really meant for kids, so there might be a few things in there that might offend a few people. There might be a few little bits of swearing. Who knows? You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Welcome to Star Wars Spins, a talk show where we have no clue. Nothing is planned and we're slightly mad. You never quite know what we might do. So join us for Star Wars Spins, a jolly podcast that's right for you. Spin with the wheel, that's the deal. Hope we don't get sued. Hello and welcome to Star Wars Spins, the nonsensical podcast about the nonsense of Star Wars. Join us as we take one unfortunate guest through a series of randomly selected questions via our state-of-the-art Star Wars spin wheels. I am your therapist, Dave Tree, and joining me live and direct from Constable Zuvio's restroom on Jakku, it's the man who likes to put his feet up whilst he's on a train, Martin Keeler. Martin, how you doing? Hey, uh, hello, Dave. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I've been on a train today. It's quite exciting. This is quite a big deal, really. Is this is this the first time since the start of the pandemic you've been let out of the house? Yeah, absolutely. So it, I actually had to go into the office today for a meeting. And as you know, um, the commuting has never been the highlight of my day. If the train service stays like it is now, that would be awesome. But on the way back, there were other people in the carriage and they started to irk me. So I don't want to really go into that it is a trigger point for you anybody who is a friend of martin and has historically uh, followed him on social media will know that there are certain things that you must never do whilst in the presence of mr killer i gambled i went into the quiet coach and sure enough at the other end of the quiet coach i could hear someone yeah, 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 yeah on their phone i thought we'd been through enough so i didn't go and confront them on this occasion that's great and we're in top spirits we're back for another episode or maybe the first episode depending on how we end up editing these things we just <laughs> don't know you know it could be another pilot to the pilot to the pilot or something like that but before we introduce this episode's special guest let's just have a recap of the nomination by the previous guest my nomination for next guest is mark newbold well there's a challenge our next guest is a man who is an absolute powerhouse behind star wars fandom he's done so much it's kind of impossible to like put it into one piece of a4 and i say this because i'm on his like resume page right now so i'm going to give you a bit of a breakdown i've known mark for like getting on for 20 years now and it dated right back to one of his early sort of star wars projects which was all about continuing fan fiction on on a website called lightsaber.co.uk but from there mark has always been at the forefront of the uk fan community from lightsaber he went into work with jedi news and helped build that up to to the the amazing platform it is now and then mark was also the driving force behind fanfa tracks which started a few years ago and has now become again one of the mainstays of like the UK fandom. On top of that, on top of that, he's worked for many licenses, most notably for the Star Wars Insider magazine, where he's a regular columnist and done a bucket load of features for Star Wars Insider and StarWars.com, but also working on many other projects and contributing to many articles and books and things like that as well. Mark is probably the most knowledgeable person I know when it comes to Star Wars and genuinely, hand on heart, has one of the best collections I've ever liked 
had the pleasure of actually seeing in person. The problem we've got with this, Martin, is with all of these crazy random questions, if there was going to be one person who's actually got an answer for some of these questions, it's going to be Mark. Well, Dave, it's all great that I see you looking through his page and all the things he's done and you've known him for so long. But I know three things about Mark. That he's told me two of them are true, one of them a lie. And I want you to identify, as we always do, which one's the lie. And I shall present this to you through the medium of song. I'd like to welcome officially then after that amazing, amazing musical insight into Mark Newbold. Mark, welcome to Star Wars Spins. I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Oh, that's my new ringtone. I'm, I'm thrilled to bitch for that. I can only apologise, Mark. You can do way more than that. Well, gen- genuinely, that's the first time I'm hearing it as well. So like, I, I, th- this is really difficult for me because I have to kind of like, I have to pay attention. And on the other hand, I'm like, this is incredible. You know, so like I, I get lost. So before we, we go any further, yes. I have to disseminate. There's three facts that Martin presented there. Yeah. And two of them are true and one of them's a lie. Is that correct, Martin? That is right. That is correct. Would you like to know what the facts were, just as a summary? Yeah, because it was a little bit overwhelming. I, I think I understood the propositions, shall we say, but like, please regale me. So in a summary, he's related to one of Hanna-Barbera. He owns Zippy's original 
Double Zip, and his uncle laid the track that Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile on. Oh, sorry, great-great-uncle. Why, why can't we just pick some Star Wars-related ones? Because, like, surely that would be easier to kind of work it out. I mean, this is just the whole thing. What happens from this point onwards in the show is completely random. But, like, this is just, like, truly insanely random i mean like zippy was originally in the container scene and he got cut so i mean george had his other arm cut off didn't he so (laughs) (laughs) because without saying bungles in there let let, let me review these so where i've done these before i had a hunch and you should get that into yeah i know it's quite painful but the this one is just so fantastically random. It's it's just beyond complete. And and at no point have in any bearing in mind that two of these are true. You've never mentioned any of this to me before in the years that we've known. So yeah, yeah. It's like granted they're three fairly common facts that people have. But yeah. So I so here's my thinking. Right. I think Martin put far too much emphasis on Roger Bannister there at the end. Because that that, that that would be the one I would go for. Reason being is it's not really about you, Mark. But Martin put so much emphasis on that in his musical wizardry there that it's just, I don't think he would have done that unless it was true. Hanna-Barbera is a curveball as well, but like I don't, I, I don't know where anybody would have come up with that one. And Zippy Zip, I reckon that's the lie because I think you might have mentioned it before now, just out of some complete random side thing. So that, that that's the one I'm going for. Zippy Zip is the lie. You are related to Hanna Barbera and your was it your uncle or your grandfather? Great great uncle, I believe. Right, laid the track for Martin's wetting himself. Look, he's just itching. He's itching to so come on. I'm I'm going with Zippy Zip as the lie. Mark. I'm gutted, gutted to say that you are actually right, Dave. Yeah. It's oh. a lie. I actually own Georgie's other arm. That's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> My great uncle was Bongle. <laughs> so Mark is related to William Hanna, isn't it? Yes. My uncle Stephen's sister, her husband's uncle is William Hanna. Right. Most random spurious connection by blood you could ever imagine, but yeah. she's true. That's cool. Yeah. And his great great uncle is single handedly responsible for Roger Bannister breaking a four minute while. So so who came up with Zippy's zip? Was that you, Martin, or was that Mark? No, that was Mark. See, I reckon where I've been up to your, your collection, Mark, I'm sure you would have had something like that there and you would have gone, Oh, and that zippy zip, you know, and amongst <laughs> all this stuff. And I'm and I've been like, what? <laughs> so 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 your logic was as simple as Mark wouldn't have been able to keep that to himself yeah. for twenty years. But it's also kind of as insightful that you came up with that one as a lie. You know that that that's quite clever in 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 many respects. You know, it, it it's occasionally, not often, but occasionally. <laughs> it was it, the, the other one was that I own Richie Blackmore's guitar strap. That was the other one, but I thought that one was thrown you, sir. I, I I would have believed you with that because uh, I I know you you're you're a big fan of anything related to on 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 that side of things. So like. Which is why Martin's music is my new ringtone. So well done, Dave. You actually got it right, which disappoints me no end. Yes! Next time. Next time I'll get you. Well, I welcome, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to, to come on, especially after you were nominated by... Carl Bayless. All right. We're going to like go into round one. Ready. First round, just to get you warmed up, 
is you may fire when ready. It's a 60-second quick-fire round, and you just okay. got to, like, answer the questions as, as soon as it comes into your head. Okay, so spinning the wheel now. Your favourite Star Wars vehicle? Millennium Falcon. Would you sooner kiss a Wookiee or Han Solo? Hmm. Wookiee. I like the fact you have to think. Oh, yeah. Favourite prequel film? Phantom Menace. Favourite Disney era film? Mm, Rogue One. Just. Or the worst Star Wars movie? Oh, God. Oh, Favourite Star Wars podcast? Ooh, making tracks. <laughs> Do you think Maz Kanata ever did get it on with Chewbacca? Yep. If Lando could fancy a droid, is it reasonable to now assume C-3PO was in love with Han Solo? He did call him Goldenrod, so yes. <laughs> Who smells worse, Jawas or Obi-Wan Kenobi? Jawas. Favourite Clone Wars character? Cad Bane. Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? So there were some good answers in there. We can't just go on to the um, next round without okay. reviewing some of those answers first. Yes. Um, I have beef. Yes. So worst Star Wars film, Battle for Endor. Well, technically, that wasn't a film, was it? That was a made-for-TV it's special. It's released at cinemas here in the UK and Europe, so I'm taking that one as a as a, an official answer because if I say another one, my career what, what, will be What other one would you say um, if you had to? Just, just out of interest, just amongst friends. <laughs> no, one, no one's listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Battle for Endor. Didn't you hear me the first time? <laughs> Joe Johnson's going to be pissed. Yeah. He should be. Within the realms of what you're saying there, I do kind of get where you're coming from. But in any list, there's got to be one that comes last. Yeah. So if Battle for Endor's last, and if Caravan of Courage is second to last, who's third from last? It would be a, a closely fought tie, I would say, between Attack of the Clones and Last Jedi. Oh. I really like Attack of the Clones, weirdly, because I think historically there's so much going on. And you, and you like that historically, so you're saying Last Jedi? No, I'm qualifying my answer, Dave. <laughs> I'm saying that there are benefits to both, but that I'm picking Attack of the Clones as an example because I really like the historical aspects in the galactic scale of what's going on in that film. That's cool. So Han Solo referring to C-3PO as Goldenrod. I hadn't actually made that connection until you said that, and I think that that is inspired. So there is... It, well, well, is there? Is there something going on there? Who knows? I mean, you know, they've set a precedent with uh, L3 and Lando, and chronologically that is before the Empire Strikes Back, and seeing as we are now allowed to rewrite general history anyway, you know, why not? I mean, stranger things. You don't know what Arthur was plugging his thing into, do you? So, so, so what are you saying about rewriting the the, the history? How do, how do you feel about that? Um, truthfully. Oh, truthfully. Uh, yeah. It's tricky because I think, you know, when you grow up as kids and you get all these stories and you read the comics and all the other bits and bobs that you sort of soak up as a kid, you get a vibe for certain things and you, you kind of realise as you get older, not everybody reads it the same way that we did. And yeah. so, and especially now when so much of it's rewritten and read, like War of the Bounties, for example, which I, I am actually really enjoying. I think there's some really clever stuff in it. But that's going over a period of Star Wars history that was well-trodden and much-loved. So it, it, you've got to kind of park that to one side. And I think 
the problem they'll have eventually is I, I think in 20 years' time they'll probably retail it again, you know, because that's just the way of the world. And eventually you just won't know what happens. They're literally the only thing you'll be able to hold on to with the films. Do you think they'll ever retread the films? I don't. I think if they were ever going to do it, they'd have done it for, well, if, if they ever do do it, then they'll do it for the 50th anniversary. But I think the most likely idea or the most likely option is because CG technology is getting so good that they will at some point, like, you know, Carrie Fisher's face was on a shampoo bottle because they signed their rights away for book covers and all sorts of stuff. It's only a few more steps until Harrison Ford or the estate of Harrison Ford, it might be in 10, 15 years' time, say, yes, you may use his image likeness to create a character that looks exactly like Harrison Ford's version of Han Solo. I just think that might be just the way the entertainment industry goes. And I'd like to think, to a degree, I'd like to think that they'll do something like that because that means new actors come in and they have to create new characters and it keeps things fresh instead of rehashing stuff. If you're going to do a Han Solo story, use the Harrison Ford version of Han Solo or whatever, you know. I think technology is going to play a much larger part as we go forward. I think that's oh, a no, good definitely. point. And, and there's there's a step towards it already, isn't it? Because the, the indications on Indy 5 is there's going to be some scenes, at least, that are de-aging, aren't they? Or Either that or he's got a weird oh, yeah. dot thing going on in his costume. We said this on Making Tracks. Either either they're doing de-aging or he's got 78-year-old acne, which would be a bit of a blight to, to yeah. his point of life. Yeah. He's, hurt, he's hurt himself again, hasn't he? He's done his shoulder, I think. Yeah, yeah. Finger pointing all the time, he's pulled his shoulder out. That's what it is. Well, perhaps this is, you know, they suggest CGI him now. Safer, isn't it? Favourite Clone Wars character being Cad Bane. And what, what made you choose Cad Bane? It was a quick answer, because I mean there's there's a there's a lot of a lot of characters in the Clone Wars. Hondo was definitely in the conversation for the five seconds my brain had to think the, of an answer. That, that, that's my joint first place, Cad Bane yeah. and Hondo. But Cad Bane was just such a cool character and I was so pleased when he when he did turn back up in the Bad Batch because, you know, I didn't realise how long it had been. It had been nine years season four of, of Clone Wars since we last saw him so and he, he's wow. just one of those characters who kept waiting for him to come back and never did wow I, I didn't I didn't quite realise that am I right in thinking the last last time he was in it was when Obi-Wan becomes a bounty hunter uh, the Rako right? Hardin stuff yeah I think so that's, yeah. It, that's it yeah what makes Cad Bane a cool character though or makes him your favourite I don't know I, I love the voice I think the performance is great yeah. I love you see Juros characters in the original movie in A New Hope and they're just sort of stood around having a chat in the bar so they don't seem like characters of threat and then all of a sudden this dude turns up and you know and Nemoidians and Juros are related aren't they there's like a like Vulcans and Romulans are related there's like a connection between the two and yeah. you can't imagine a, a fighting Nemoidian so so to see a Juros be as badass and gunslinger type character as, as Cad Bane, just, it's a cool looking character. And I just like the thought that there's real threats out there. And he also reminds me a little bit of Galandro from the old Han Solo books. He was a bit sort of debonair and dashing, but really dangerous, shooting you in the back as soon as look at you. Yeah, you know, yeah. And this campaign's kind of got that about him as well. So, right, I'm going to go and get my shopping in now because my shopping has just turned up. So give me two minutes. So I should no, be worries. Back. no worries. No oh, worries. I'm just going to get a drink. Hang on. God, I could do with some food right now. Lovely kebab, that sounds good. Maybe some chips, maybe a burger. Oh, that'll do lovely. Wonder what Mark's got. Wonder if he's got any donuts, that'd be good. Oh, here comes Dave. I bet he cracks his watch you get us joke. Every time. What'd you get us? All me shopping's away now, that's good. Was it one bag? One bag, yeah. 
<laughs> right, should we go on to the next bit? All right, Mark. So that's warmed you up. For round two, it's an optional round, okay? Ooh. So we've got three possible question sets to ask you. And they're all on slightly different like subject areas. So you have your eyes can deceive you, luminous beings are we, and no pod is worth two slaves. But we're not going to let you choose. We're going to let fate choose for you. Control, control, you must run control. These are all questions related to Star Wars fandom. Oh, heck. Oh, yeah. Oh, heck. I think this one's my favourite. Oh, no. So I'm loading up that wheel. Oh, God. What's the best incorrect Star Wars rumour you have ever heard? Oh, that's a good one. Um... That Luke and Han and Leia all die at the hands of Boba Fett, who was Luke Skywalker's father, in the opening first 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, which that was a big rumour floating around when I was a kid at school. Because obviously at school, you know, the playground is the internet, isn't it? Yeah. You, you, mate at school, his older brother told him that he'd heard and blah, blah, which is basically what Super Shadow would become years later and, and now Mike Zero. And uh, yeah, so that was the one. Boba Fett was Luke Skywalker's father and that he would kill Han and Leia and Luke and they'd all die in the first 20 minutes of Return of the Jedi. And what was the rest of the film about then? I do not know. I'd love to know. I'd love, That's a script I'd like to see. I don't know. Maybe that was Gary Kurtz's idea and George thought, no, that's a bit too much. I don't know. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see what the other you know, hour and 40 minutes would have been. Yeah, so let's, let's build up. So that's an amazing rumour. Yeah. And it's almost like a collectible. It's vintage. <laughs> it's very obvious time. I mean, I don't know what, I mean, would they have gone to Endor? I guess they would. The Emperor would have come into it, yet presumably. You've always heard these things and you think, well, I never read Starlog that much when I was a younger kid. It was something I got into when I was older and you get a bit more savvy, so you kind of skip over certain things, but well, not that savvy. I'm doing this show. But, but you know... Thank <laughs> <when> you. <laughs> when you do things as a kid and, and you just totally drink the Kool-Aid of, of any rumour because there's no internet, it, it's not come from your mate's brother I had a friend of mine who told me for years, Nigel his name was, lovely kid, but he told me for years his dad worked at Palatoy and in his loft he had all the unreleased Star Wars toys. And every time I said, can I come and see them? That's what he's tackling with, which is basically Twitter today, isn't it? So, you know, that was was what you're up against. I was going to ask, did anybody get a kicking in uh, after the opening weekend at school? (laughs) It's like, you told me. Building. Yeah, <laughs> they were the ones burying all the toys in the car park at Colville, I think. So, <laughs> so did you actually believe the rumour, though? Is that what you were sort of hinting at? No, I, I didn't. I'm sure there was like lots of rumours in the letters pages of sort of Return of the Jedi Weekly and Empire Monthly and stuff like that. You know, they'd put, they weren't so nervous about hypothesis back then. It wasn't the same atmosphere as it is now. Everyone's so careful now and, and just has to be. But 
I don't know. I, the thing I love about Star Wars, and, that, and that's what I'm kind of, pre- not precious, but sort of love that Empire to Jedi period, is it, it was just, let's just throw some crazy rumour out, and then we'll spend the next month talking about it until the next issue of the magazine's out. You know, now, you know, yesterday the Suicide Squad trailer came out, and everyone was nuts about it. I've not heard a single person talk about it today. Everything's just in the minute because something else comes along straight away. Back then, a rumour could survive from weeks and months. You know, it was a totally different landscape. So those kind of crazy rumours got, like the Fuller Republic script, the, what was his, John Flynn or whatever his name was, that apparently wrote it was going to be a prequel film. And, you know, that that had legs that went on forever. And, and now it's debunked in seconds. But back then, it, these things had a life of their own. So it's kind of more, kind of more, it really was the Wild West. And more innocent as well, isn't it? Oh, way more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a nice way, in a sweet way, yeah. Yeah. If you listen to that rumour, it just occurred to me, there's actually a moment in Return of the Jedi where you could have gone, oh my God, it's going to happen. Because after Luke's beaten the Rancor, they all get herded in front of Jabba, don't they? With um, Boba Fett in the room. Well, you know, I think I think you've hit on something there because way back when, in the dark ages of life, a film would come out, you know, like Star Wars would get released with like, you know, Fox would release, I don't know, 20 black and white photographs of, headshots and quick shots from the film no special effects because they weren't finished and so you know marvel had very limited amount of stuff to go on and the script alan dean foster had the script and a couple of pictures and these people were really sort of pitching in the dark it's amazing that they got anything out that resembled the film and god knows what they got over in china because the chinese version of, <laughs> of a new hope has got nothing to do with the film whatsoever even when empire and jedi came out you know your fan club kit had come out to get a few pictures in there but by jedi you saw a few you saw a couple, you know, a couple of the macquarie pictures and stuff and people would just start rumors and it probably was exactly what you've just said it was probably that shot of the four of them you know stood in front of jabba layer on the throne in the bikini mm. and they just made up a story that fit the fit the picture. And who's going to deny it? What outlet could go out and say, this is rubbish? Mm. You know, you could what, put it in Panther tracks like six months later. So, you know, it wasn't, there wasn't the immediacy that there is now to de- debunk something. Mike Zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just got to wait to the next day to, for him to contradict himself. So it's Doom, it's Doomcock now, isn't it? He's he's the uh, the, the he's a, zero in town. Isn't it? Solo loves C three PO conversation all of a sudden. What's, what's the finger point of doom? And yeah, no, there's yeah. there, there's a there's a YouTuber called DVD. Uh, yeah, DVD Doomcock Overlord DVD. Yeah, he's actually very entertaining. If you catch his other stuff, he he, he sings a lot. So it's actually a very good singer. No, he is. Just my vote. Uh, the, the the pop culture breakdown, I think it's called, where he does like the, the Hollywood news. But he, he, he's very quick to say it is all with a pinch of salt. And when the moment you say that, it could be anything, couldn't it? You know, so it's fact, Dave. It's fact. Someone said it on <laughs> someone said it on YouTube. It's a fact. Yeah. Documented fact. Yeah. And I love the way, and I'm guilty of this now because I'm getting sucked into it, but then people do videos on the video where someone just basically went, oh, I had a dream last night and this might happen. And then there's like, it just springs up, doesn't it, to say, is Boba Fett going to kill all three of them in yeah. the next film? Yeah. We discuss. <laughs> we discuss a rumour on a site that posted a rumour about something on another site. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come back at three for the next one. Has a Star Wars celebrity ever been rude to you? Um, 
I've, I've had crosswords with the Star Wars celebrity, um, and we had a proper falling out, long since resolved. I think and I know this one. Good. You do. You definitely do. Yeah. All is good. It was a an awkward time all round. I was probably more twitchy than I needed to be, and so was he. And it sort of converged into being a, a massive poodoo storm of not niceness. But it did get sorted out. So without naming names, it wouldn't be fair to do that for me or for him. And I've narrowed the population down by saying him. <laughs> I think I have. Um, and um, yes, it was it was it was awkward, but resolved. And now all is wonderful. But yeah, other than that, now nothing, nothing I can think of. There's probably been there's probably been times when you know you've, you've barged up to a table and stuck a microphone in someone's face and said, "Can I have five minutes of your time with it?" Donald, oh, what's his name? It was going to be in Detours. That was in Scrubs. Donald Faison. Mm. I remember sidling up to him at one of the celebrations to say, "Hi, I'm from Souls Insider. We'd, we'd, we've wanted to catch up with you forever." any chance we could organise a chat. Not now. You hear it sort of incognito doing your own thing. But And he, I've got a clipboard and I've got literally my clipboards, just notes, scribble out, notes, scribble out, notes, scribble out. It's the most unruly, messy thing ever. And he took one look at my clipboard and saw the scribble of sort of doctor's surgery notes type rants that I'd written down and went, oh, no, thanks, man, and walked off. I kind of get it. That, that was close. But this other thing was was a proper to-do. But it got sorted. It was all good. Excellent. Do you want another question? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there you go. What's the best encounter you've ever had with a Star Wars celebrity stroke fan? I never stroke fans. It did it once and got me into terrible trouble. <laughs> best encounter I've ever had with a Star Wars celebrity? Um, depends on what you consider a Star Wars celebrity. Oh, that's a good question. Think? It does say celebrity or stroke fan, so it's basically it's what's your best yeah. interaction, um, isn't it? I mean, if you've had any interactions with any of the actors' air conditioning systems, that equally counts as a fan. <laughs> um, so uh, I would say, because it was on my mind the other day thinking about it, and I couldn't believe how long ago it was. So it's eight years since I went to, I got to Skulker Ranch, so I managed to get to the ranch. And David Accord, the Skulker sound, sound dude who's won Oscars since then, took us around, had a walk around, saw the ranch and had a meal and the whole malarkey. But the best thing was, and it was completely sort of un- unplanned and unscripted, was we walked past the door and he went, oh, hang, just wait here, guys. Uh, I'm just going to go and check on something. Went up to the door, knocked on the door, stuck his head round, had a quick word with somebody, and then ushered us over into Ben Burt's office. And we sat in Ben Burt's office for 45 minutes. Oh, wow. it was Yeah, it was just after the Disney, obviously just after the Disney purchase. So he was going through all the audio from Empire. <laughs> And digitised <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said they could turn up at any minute and take all this and just archive it. So I want to get it digitised. So he was digitising oh, everything. Oh, right. And we were there 45 minutes and he, he gave us the original teaser trailer from A New Hope, the very first one. Yeah. Before John Williams did the music, the old logo and the whole thing, held that in our hand and he was just pointing things out. The best thing was I always go on about the TIE Fighter pilot from Empire that gets hit in the asteroid field and you see him spin off. And I've always wanted to know what happened to him. He has that little burnt, and it is burnt because it got blown up when they blew the TIE fighter, a little burnt figure sitting in a like a sideshow great big TIE fighter, just a little wooden TIE fighter pilot in a cockpit. 
Just oh, loads. Wow. Of he, got the, he got the plane from Attack of the Hawkmen on the ceiling and just all sorts of cool stuff. And we just chatted for like, with the coffee. You know, we've gone and got they've got like a jar for the hut type thing there, like they do at the Presidio, and we've just got a coffee and, and just had a chat. And I've never actually properly interviewed him. It's totally on the bucket list. I've never managed to do that, but hopefully one day I will. So I would say that's probably it. It was completely by chance, but I would say that would be my my uh, my favourite sort of interaction, if you want to put it that way. That's a high bar. Yeah, pretty really high bar there. That, yeah, the summary of that story is I was walking around Skywalker Ranch and ended up having a coffee with Ben Burt whilst he was showing me like stuff that I dreamt of seeing. Yeah. That definitely goes into the world of good interaction. <laughs> <laughs> I did meet Macquarie once, but it was a, it was a five minute chat about the weather. It was like no, there's nothing memorable about the conversation other than I met him, which was awesomely cool because it's Macquarie. But at least with Ben Burt, I can kind of remember some of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so so what about the other side of it mark what about fandom because you're you're prolific in fandom yeah you must have seen one or two fans in your lifetime yeah i've seen a few i've seen a few <laughs> what about fandom what would you like to know yeah is there a moment that sticks out for you as a you know just being a star wars fan and meeting a star wars fan that that's really stuck out as being a a great moment well meeting my former co-host at uh, at celebration in 2007 was pretty cool that was a good one was that in the fox pub yeah we were lining up for a drink yeah. <laughs> that was a good one that was a good one yeah any 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 sort of interaction it was not you know there was one of these bad batch round tables last night there was a whole bunch of faces in the room and different people that generally between celebrations and new york comic cons and such you just see them online and it's a like and a and a quick message if you want to ask a question but it's nice when you get people in a zoom room to have a chat so that's always fun and catching up with people because like i say it's been so long since everyone's caught up it'd be nice when we all get the chance to do it again so that's always very welcome rancho obi-wan's always a great place to go to catch up with people because one it's just a cool place to go and you know you see people like gus lopez and duncan jenkins and folks like that you know you get to touch base with those guys um, i mean as, as a fan myself i think i mean there's been some obviously been some awesome moments but i, I can't think of anything that would stand above celebration orlando in 2017 when the curtain parts and there's john williams oh yeah you know that just uh, that still gets to me thinking about that you know that was i, I can still been. hear the crowd member, if you watch the video of it online, you can still just hear it was everyone kind of took a second to take it in to go, is that who I think it is? And you just hear one voice in the crowd go, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of like everyone's in a monologue <laughs> just blurted out in the room from that one person, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was with Big Kev. Big Kev Schroeder was with us and and... I, I don't know how I ended up in there with Kevin. I mean, Kevin can get into, he can get to Fort Knox. He's just one of those guys. He can get, <laughs> he can get into where Walter can't was the phrase. Literally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was stood with Kev, and it was a good spot. You know, it's in the whole sort of 40th anniversary panel. It was a good spot. And then that happened. You know, Williams is there, and you know, obviously Kathleen Kennedy does the introduction, and George is there, and then curtain parts. And I just looked at it. I, I'd gone by this point. I was because you know, this is like a year after Carrie's passed away. We've just had the whole talk when everyone's talking about her, and then they go into Princess Leia's theme, perfect. And he just said to me, and in very wise words, you know, just just remember this. You're watching John Williams conduct Star Wars music. And you're here now. And he was so right. And it's a bit like when I went to Skywalker Ranch and Bateman, Paul Bateman had said, when you get, because he'd been a few times, because obviously he got that great connection with Macquarie. Said, when you get there, when he's standing outside the building, he says, just honestly, just stop for a second, take a deep breath and do a 360. 
this is a beautiful location. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know why I thought to remember it because it was kind of a bit hyper, <laughs> you know, considering where I was. And I did exactly what he said. I just did took a deep breath and did a 360. And I thought after I thanked him for that, I said that was a really clever thing to do because it kind of settled me down. And I, I think I soaked a lot more up than I probably would have done. So, yeah, you've got to take these moments in. I think you're right, Mark. And like, you know, we've been lucky enough, and all three of us have been lucky enough to do things. I always, I, I was lucky enough, like yourself, to be in that room when that happened. But I still maintain it's not like the best thing that happened, but for fandom and atmosphere and the peak, it's the chewy we're home moment. Yeah, that, 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 say. that, yeah. that moment for me. Yeah. Which Pete Star Wars is back, and even though it, you know it was great what you saw on stage, you saw BB-8 and all that, saying you know, but you know, John Williams, Harrison Ford, George Lucas, you know, the lineup is on a different level. Yeah. But that moment when Han Solo and Chewie came on the screen, and no one expected it, did they? No one. We all thought it was going to be a complete mystery box trailer, yeah. you know, glimpses and stuff. The atmosphere in the room when that happened. I, I just don't think we'll ever be beaten. No, I wouldn't argue with that. I, so I was never, I was not there for that. But having interacted with many people who have been there, I don't think there's a single person. So you're saying that, Martin, I, th- I think that's very much at the apex for many. But I don't think there's a single person that didn't say they didn't cry. Like, you know, and 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 for me, having not being there and understanding that ambience and things like that, I, I, I think it's, I, I get it. But I think it's funny that with some of the people that tell me this who were there and seeing what they are like in their day-to-day lives and that they're blubbing their eyes and mm. be like, I would have loved to have seen that, but like I would have been doing the same thing. <laughs> so oh, yeah, like- totally. I'll tell you a weird thing about that whole moment. I was still with Jedi News and I was in I was stood next to James. So we watched the trailer all excited, the whole thing, and then that moment happens. And by this point, we're so sort of I guess hyper is the best, but proper, genuine excitement. The whole room's buzzing. And then that happens. It goes black, doesn't it? It goes silent. And then you hear Chewie home, the voice, and then you see them. And we just looked at each other and just, I think we just hugged each other because we were just that emotional. And the weird thing is, I've told people this moment sort of thing, and they're a bit like, really? There's an Australian documentary called My Saga. And if you ever get the chance to see it, it's a cracking documentary about a father and his son. The whole point is travelling to celebration. They film their reaction to the trailer. So the camera's facing them. If you look to the right, it's me and James. And when you hear Chewie on We're Home, you see me and James hug each other. It's all, it's on the, it's in this documentary. So uh, oh, wow. it kind of proved that it happened sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, not as good as the video of you, Dave, though, at, um, at that uh, 96 event down in Watford, though, in, in the crowd. That, oh, that's, yeah. probably, uh, that's way better. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. It's these little moments, though, just make it as a fan that the moments like that stick in your memory and, and solidify why you love it. Right. Shall we move on then, Dave? We shall. So, well done. Thank you. You've, you've, you've completed round two, which was all about fandom. The next round is called Wexley Snaps. And this is a lot easier. Questions will be posed to you and they'll just require a little bit more thought and we'll guide you and expand upon some of those answers as 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 see fit. Or you might literally encapsulate it perfectly that we are just completely blown away or gobsmacked at whatever your, your answer is. Round three is Wexy Snaps. Do me a personal favor, be optimistic. Yes, ma'am. Uh, this, is, this is terrific. You're not gonna believe how well this is gonna turn out. It's gonna be great. Spin, 
So then, Mark, who is the biggest loser in the Star Wars movies? Oh, you know, I, my, my instant answer, without thinking too deeply about it, because there's lots of losers in the Star Wars movies. The TIE fighter pilot from Empire gets left in the asteroid field. The guy that has to hose down all the Tauntaun crap and, and against the wall that nobody ever talks about in Empire Strikes Back. I'd say Malakili probably because his rancor gets killed in Return of the Jedi and like, what's he going to do next? So I would say, given that he's probably spent 20 years scooping poop out of that dungeon and nurturing this you know, monstrous creature, I'd probably say Malakili. So I just want to pick your logic for that because I, I love it because of the profession I'm in. But you're kind of saying TIE fighter pilot, bit unfortunate that he dies, but at least he gets a death in service to his loved ones payout. Yeah. You're saying that, uh, who, was the, who was the second one that you said was a bit, oh, the guy who... Um, Pooper. Pooper. The yeah. Pooper. Yeah, yeah, job for life there, isn't there? Because they're, totally. they're not going to stop pooping. So what you're actually saying is this, this is an employment problem where you've got a guy who's done all the service and then he's going to be let go isn't he straight away is that why he's crying do you think he's not upset at the death it's kind of like am i going to pay the mortgage oh uh, yeah well yeah yeah i would say probably yeah i mean it gets worse because i suppose for a short time before jabba just disappears on the sail barge and then gets choked out by princess leia i guess he's thinking well there's an outside chance he might buy another rancor get me a raftar or something but but, you know, so he, there's a momentary brief glimmer of hope that maybe he'll get another another monster. But as it goes, I mean, I think he, I think in the storyline, he ends up in Mos Pelgo looking after Rontos for Cop oh. Vamp. So, so he does he does have another profession. I was going to say, that can't pay as well, can it? Because you're not going to get danger money for that, are you? Not really. All they do is block the camera. <laughs> <laughs> to go from a Rancor to a Ronto is a bit of a step down, isn't it? It's like going from an from an elephant to a donkey. It's a bit of a step down. Is that the name of your autobiography? Is it from from a rancor to a ronto? <laughs> I like it. elephant to a donkey. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Elephant to a donkey. The life life and loves of Mark Newbold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we have another question, Dave? Let's go for it. What's it like being Constable Zuvio? Well, I should imagine it's. I would imagine it's quite tough. I mean, I mean, trying to think of a good analogy of somebody who was groomed for superstardom, and then I tell you, I tell you what Constable Zuvio is like. Constable Zuvio is David Hasselhoff the night that OJ Simpson went driving down the freeway in LA in that Bronco because he got a TV special lined up that was going to launch his US singing career already massive in Germany don't forget three albums gone platinum and there he is about to go over big in the States star of the biggest show in the TV world then OJ Simpson does what OJ Simpson did dives in that Bronco goes down the LA freeway all the cameras are on him Nobody watches Hasselhoff. Constable Zuvio is David Hasselhoff when OJ <laughs> did what OJ did, whatever he did. So that's that's how it feels to be Constable Zuvio. Constable Zuvio is basically being David Hasselhoff. Works so well. Uh, I've got no words. <laughs> Excellent. Shall I do another question? Because I think that was perfectly answered. I oh, think. yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm very impressed. Spin, 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 spin. What food hygiene rating do you think Dex's diner has? How many how many stars is it out of? Is it five, like the industry standard? So yeah, if we assume it is like the British one, you have one to five, five being 
uh, spotless and one being, you know, do you want to go eat in there? I question. I mean, you see, you literally see Dex scratch his ass with one of his forearms. His penny, his apron, looks yeah. grubby as anything. It looks like he's been fixing his land speed or wearing it. I'd give it maybe two Death Stars out of five. There's, there's no Michelin stars for that diner. It, it proper, It's greasy lilts, isn't it? I bet he serves coffee out of a bucket. Obi-Wan doesn't eat there, does he? Does he eat? Does he? I can't remember. I can't, I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched... Attack of the Clones. But people are eating there. So it's not, I, I think you're right to not sort of just go to default one star because. Yeah, but you are, you're watching that harp expecting Gordon Ramsay to crop up from behind the bar and start ripping into the, you know, the kitchen stuff. It is a bit of a kitchen nightmares kind of vibe. And you know, I mean, I get George wanted the American graffiti diner vibe and, and you know, he definitely captures that. Uh, and that film's just loaded with that kind of. The dine, the diner vibe, a hundred percent. But Dex is not that Dex in is, any show, shape or form. No, he's grotty. You think those fingers have been up that nose or something? <laughs> yeah. And what he's got in that moustache thing he's got going on, I don't know what's yeah. in that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't particularly. I'd be worried he shakes something onto my dinner. Do you think it's George's sort of like dirty secret? Because he he can eat anywhere, can't he? He can afford to eat anywhere where he wants to go. He's <laughs> Where the guy, where the chef picks his ass before before serving his meal, and it's it's kind of like the anti-establishment statement that George was was you know I I can afford to eat in the top restaurants, but I'm going to the place that might kill me. So you know when Lucasfilm was was in the bay, and there's a place called there's a place called Foodles, which was like the the, the restaurant that was near the Kerner building, Kerner Opticals building, and and I've eaten in in Foodles. I, I went there to get the little menu just because I wanted it in the collection sort of thing, and I thought, well, I'm here now. I'm on my to the airport, I might as well have something to eat before because I'm not going to fly for like another six hours. So I had something to eat at Foodles, and it was greasy. That's the only way I can put put it. It, it was greasy. It was lovely to eat there. I, I, it was nice to say I've eaten there, and I just get I do get the vibe that there's only so many truffles and chateau nap de perfs you can take before you really want a dirty greasy burger and i think george is at the stage of life like i'm 77 i just want a big dirty greasy burger and i think dexter's diner is kind of uh, a reflection of that that's amazing mark that's the end of the wexley snaps round and and if anything that has prepared you for the next round everything we have done up to this point is bringing us ultimately to this one point of round four, Bull Gullet will know the truth. And if Wexley Snaps was like the hors d'oeuvre, this is like the main course, okay? So it's the same okay. kind of thing. There's no, no no right answer, no wrong answer. It's completely open to your interpretation, but it will require a little bit more thinking. Round four, Bull Gullet will know the truth. How did the space slug end up in the asteroid? He bought him a drink. <laughs> what kind of drink? Or how many drinks? You jumped straight into a euphemism. <laughs> the lights are out. Um, uh, how did the space slug end up in the asteroid? Um, I don't know. Was he gazumped? I don't know. Um, this is... 
quite a deep question. You know everything, Mark. So I'm going to be disappointed if you don't come up with a really logical answer as to how the space slug ended up in the asteroid. Well, I've, I've without going into too much detail, I've been writing an article for a magazine about the creature, the summer verminoth, which is the great big tentacle creature from Solo that lives in the moor near Kessel. And they are vacuum-breathing creatures, which presumably the Exogorth is as well in Empire. So they're not, they're not, I mean, he moves pretty quick for a big guy or a hand puppet, as he really is. And so as the Falcon's shooting out, he's pretty much snapping the Falcon up, which is apparently, Solo says, the fastest ship in the galaxy. But is, was that not a gag reflex? <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking, I mean, I don't know an awful lot about those creatures. Are they ambush hunters? I mean, they move fast for big guys. So I would imagine it's probably, I mean, I guess they can live off nothing for a long time. You know, like sharks eat for once a month and don't eat. Snake eats a goat and can last for six months type logic. So I would guess he's just waiting for the next tasty morsel snack whatever to come along and now we know a bit more about coaxium and how powerful coaxium is if the falcon has got any of that in its system which presumably it will have it's tremendously explosive and chomping down on the falcon would have probably kept him going for quite a long time or blown his brains out but i would like to think he would you know make more of it so it's coaxium like weetabix ready break (laughs) yeah ready break yeah it's like glowing How, how do you think he got there, though, Mark? Do you think like he caught the bus or he walked there or but walked there? Yeah, <laughs> walked there. I mean, you don't know what the lower part looks like, do you? It could be like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, it's like the crate dragon, isn't it, in Mandalorian, where they you know you didn't see it in the show, but yeah, it could be like things. Randall from like Monsters Inc. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, in 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 universe. I would imagine he probably was, or she, was probably born, or it, was probably born there, and so has known no other home, unless they've got a condo on Coruscant, which I doubt. And and travelling there, I mean, it's not like he can hang off the underside of a Star Destroyer like the Falcon did, or maybe he did, I don't know. So I would imagine it. that's that's their permanent, you know, that he lives there, that's his home. He's, he's known nothing else. He inherited it from his father, who obviously moved up. Or, or was eaten. Or, but yeah, well, it could be the boss thing, couldn't it? Because they eat their parents, yeah. don't they? Because it's, it's, it's apparent, isn't it, that he's not just sort of found a hole and he's living in it because he fits perfectly. Yeah. So it, it's, it's implied, isn't it, that it's made for him oh, to yeah, live in. Oh, yeah, it's more like so. a borrow than a hole. Yeah. I don't think he accidentally found the perfect length and perfect... I mean, this is getting a bit phallic now. Uh, it, it feels like... He burrowed that and made it himself and then turned around and backed in. I think, yeah, I think now we've probably got down to the crux of it. Pablo Hidalgo proved me wrong, that he found the perfect asteroid in the perfect place where things are likely to come by. It's quite a sizable asteroid with its own gravity. And he's probably there's probably enough sort of particulate matter for him to sort of live off because there's always stuff floating around like TIE fighter pilots. Um, and... And that's that's his that's his little lair and his little you know little and that's where he lives that's his his digs so to speak. Do you think he's, he's got more than one room? Well, he's, has he got like a bedroom, a lounge, he's, kitchen? He's got the space, toilet, toilet. other asteroids, his turds. So as he pooping out asteroids, <laughs> that's how this whole thing came about. Yeah, you, you so mean they're, when he started, they're, they're, they're flying through his filth, and each one's got like a little one of him. Yeah, because he's got worms. Yeah. 
There's a there's a there's a film in that. There's definitely there's definitely a backdoor pilot there. Sign me up. <laughs> the chances yeah. of avoiding the turd storm are three thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great question. It's not something I'd ever considered, but yes, I think probably at some juncture there was probably loads of them. They, the the pergil, the ones that can jump in hyperspace. So I don't think the exogorths are like that. But one of the one of the comics that came out recently did have a scene where I think Fett was flying through a an asteroid field and and half a dozen of these things all jumped out at him like I mean punching Judy's. So I think they probably do go for bigger prey. But I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to meet them in a down a dark alley. So you think they're like floating around? Yeah. Until they find somewhere to settle. Is yeah. that? Is that the logic? Yeah, and it's probably, yes, and it's probably somewhere that other space slugs would think, Ted ain't living there. That's not his kind of place. Yeah. And but but Ted's going well. Actually, this is this is perfect for me. This is where I want to be. I'm going to back into this hole, open my mouth wide, pretend to be a cave. Wait, wait for a bombing run that forces a stray freighter to choose yeah. that one particular hole. Yeah, perfect place, isn't it? It's as likely as anything. I got Minox yeah. in me. I got Minox in me. So you know, it's not all bad. I'm not on I've got, my own. Got company. That's it. Yeah, got someone to talk yeah. to. Yeah. I like it. I, th- I think we've sorted that one out. I think so. Turns out it was an easy question. <laughs> right. Shall I have another one? Oh, yes, please. Spin, 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 Walrus Man, Hammerhead, Staggletooth, Squidhead, and Pruneface are perhaps some of the best names ever given. What name would you create for a Star Wars character? Have to be Buttcrack. Boy, Buttcrack. Nail clippings. That would be a good name for somebody. What else? Nasal cavity. Yeah, I like that. Um, so, which actual character would you call nail? Let's name a character now that you don't think has got a name. Who'd be nasal cavity? Nasal cavity would be that dude, the snot vampire. I know he's got a name. Was it Derek Jericho? Or oh, something? yeah, 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 yeah. From the cancer. I, you know. I, he would be nasal cavity because there was all sorts of nonsense coming out of his face. But crack, but crack would be my my codename for Dexter Jetster because you really do yeah. see some builders bum on that guy. So, um, so, so with that, actually, that's a really good call because is that like the equivalent in the underworld of Fulcrum? It'll be butt crack. <laughs> I need to make contact with butt crack. I mean, why not? It's Star Wars. You'd spell it differently. Yeah. You'd, you'd, do, you'd zarn it up, wouldn't you? You'd add loads of boot, used Boot, boot clake. That's it. Boot crake. We boot crake. We need to edit that in as well, don't we? We need, we need a scene with Ewan going, I need to go and see boot clake. <laughs> Um, my old friend. Should we, should we tweet Star Wars and say, will Boot Crake be making a reappearance in the Kenobi series? <laughs> <laughs> Feels feasible. So Nasal Cavity's in the cantina. Yes. Who, who, do you want to throw any more names in there? I, f- I yeah, feel like you should um, now work your way through them. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, I feel like I'm actually picking on people now. What else could there be? I mean, I'm, I'm working my way through all the grotty parts. What I was going to say, what about the characters? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what about the what about the uh, the guy in the Mandalorian who plays the flute through his nose? Has he got? Oh, name? Snoot flute, Snoot flute. <laughs> I love that guy. That's a great name, anyway. Isn't it? Snoot flute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the thing is, those are such evocative names. This came up in this round table yesterday when um, one of the guys said, "Oh, wasn't it great that we saw Hammerhead in in uh, in the Bad Batch?" 
And then the and the guy said, "Well, his name was originally Marmor Nadan or whatever it was, but in the in the show, his name's Bobu or something. They've given him some really weird sort of random non-name. And of course, he's dressed in the onesie that the old Palazoi hammerhead was wearing. So that was kind of cool that that he got a shout out. Yes, you're going to go a long way to beat names like Walrus Man. I mean, I love I love the." Was it Red Bull Jet was Max Rebo's sort of code name when they were making Jedi and some cool little names in there. So they've all got weird, weird. Oh, Parrot Face was one, wasn't it? So, yeah. But Nasal Cavity now joins the ranks. Nasal Cavity, Butt Crake, Toenail Clippings. Um, um, (laughs) No, I've self-edited. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I was genuinely surprised when we got Squidhead and Pruneface because you kind of felt by Return of the Jedi they would have learned. Yeah. But you had Thumb, thumb Scissor Punch or Thumb whatever for Solo, didn't you? I can't, I've, I've butchered that. I, I can't, but it, it was something it's, like that. That's Thumb uh, Hand. Punch, yeah. I mean, a good thing about Star Wars is, it, is that it's so big now that it, it can be self-referential and and refer, you know, Star Wars doesn't need influences from outside of Star Wars anymore because Star Wars is big enough to just reference itself and quite happily, you know. So sometimes they'll do like like in in the Bad Batch, you know, you go, ah, oh, this is this is the Cad Bane scene. This is like a Kurosawa film, or this is like a Western. It's like yeah, but it's also a bit like this other episode of the Clone Wars or. This old comic from 1985 or whatever, you know, it, Star Wars can reference itself now. It doesn't need to reference anything. It's ripped off from the best anyway. So just, just take, just steal back from yourself. Shall I do another one? Yeah, let's go for it. Spin, 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 spin. If you were the Imperial recruitment officer in Solo, what surname would you have given Han on his application? Um, Cavity. Yeah. Uh, I would say job. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, well, that's a great question. I mean, it's such a contrivance to give the solo surname that history, but they did it in such a kind of offhand, cute way. It was one of the few off-the-cuff jokes in modern Star Wars that actually worked really well, I think, because yeah. they didn't need to explain why he was called Han Solo. It really could have just been his family name like it was in Legends, but the way they did it was actually in the context of that film, made all the sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, if he's lived as an or as an ur- street urchin and just worked for Lady Proxima and all that history that he's got there with Kira, he probably was just called Han and didn't have a family and didn't have a name. And so calling him Solo Han Solo, you know, because Han alone makes no sense. Loser. Billy No Mates. <laughs> So what would you call him, though, Mark? I feel like I should have a ready-man answer for this, and I don't. But you're, but you're, the, you're the recruiter, right? So you've got all the power here, Mark. I do, I do. So this, this isn't a plot device thing. This no. is This is Mark Newbold. You've right. suddenly got the opportunity... <laughs> Yes. To either really treat this guy well and give him something quite sensible, or you know he's so desperate you could really, really make life a living hell for him. So is it is it the the Martin answer or the Dave answer? Yeah. <laughs> well, which uh, one's which? <laughs> that's Hobson's choice, isn't it? Oh, I know. Han Overstreet. Yes, he's <laughs> Han Overstreet. That's what I'm going for. Han Overstreet. Yeah, it kind of fits. I'm going with that. Mr. Overstreet, is this your ship? Yes, it is. That's what I'm going for. I think you've treated him exceptionally well on that one. I think he got off lightly. He really did. And of course, now that goes in there, it would be called Overstreet, a Star Wars story. Yeah. (laughs) 
Right, shall I do one more? One more. Yeah, last one. Spin, 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 spin. Why are there no kids in the original trilogy? Because there, there isn't, is there? There's nothing? Well, um... Got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, there ain't many kids on Hoth because it's just not kid-friendly particularly. Endor, Sindel and Mace, is that before or after? They've never really pinned it down, have they? Whether it's before Jedi or after, but they're so supposed... And it's not in the trilogy, is it? So It's not in the trilogy, so there's no reason to go to Endor. Death Star, unless it's bring a kid to school day, uh, or bring a kid to work day, rather. Jabba's Palace, no kids... I don't know. That's a, that's a really good point. I've never really considered that, but there really isn't, is there? Why are there no kids in the original? Because George Lucas kept dressing them up as Jawas. That's why. <laughs> Child labour. That's what it is. They stick them in gonk droids. Stick them in Jawas. There's loads of kids in Star Wars. They're just not seen. But he had a rethink during the prequels. Well. Because they're everywhere, aren't they, then? But I think by then he, he, he actually got his own kids, hadn't he, by then? So he, he's, you know, let, let's let's make this, this film about a nine-year-old kid because... Katie loves fairy tales and such. But uh, yeah, that's a really good point. That is actually a really good question that there really isn't or there really aren't any kids at all in the original trilogy. I've never considered that. I'm I'm racking my brain now to think if if somebody sneaks in, but I can't think of anything at all. It logically makes no sense because, you know, even when have the big party at the end, you think that's when the families would descend. No. No. No one, is there? Or even on the scenes around all the other planets. Yeah. Yeah. In the special editions. You know, you don't yeah. see kids celebrating in Naboo and Coruscant and Tatooine and Bespin. You know, you, you'd think you'd see them on Bespin. You know, if, yeah. if, if you're yeah. talking about the, the most family-like area that's not, like, riddled with crime or anything like that, Bespin yeah. would, Cloud City would probably be the one that you could say yeah. that's that's the, the, the safest environment. But no. Kids no. film as well, isn't it? It's a kids film. I, I think I think George Lucas has made a terrible mistake and regrets it. Well, there's always a chance of another special edition. I mean, yeah, yeah. that'd be great with added kids. Added yeah, kids. yeah. Why not? There's got to be a filter on, you know, an app for that, isn't there? I, I wouldn't go searching for it, Mark. I think you could get into all sorts of trouble. <laughs> Is that it for Boar Gullet? I think so. I mean, you've performed beyond any measure of expectation, but as I knew you would do. But equally at the same time, it's quite cool to see that there are some questions and some lines of thought that are making you think and question what you know about Star Wars as well. Mark, thank you very much. Uh, before we go, where can everybody find you? Right now, uh, <laughs> in my bedroom, uh, <laughs> rethinking my life. I'm uh, always available on Twitter at prefects underscore timing. You will often find me at Fanatrax, of course, and occasionally at Star Wars Insider and sometimes at Starburst. But if you're lucky at StarWars.com. And on making tracks as well. Yes, I'm making tracks every Tuesday night, about eight o'clock UK time we drop. And uh, yeah, we're on. Uh, we're pushing towards our 100th studio episode. So that's uh, it's all going very swimmingly. And, and also occasionally on Sundays, if Brian can't find anybody else, you'll see me on Good Morning Tatooine as well on Tracks TV. I'm a big fan of making tracks. I think for me, it kind of got better after like episode 20 and stuff. It really, really went uphill quite yeah. sharply. I, I, it I, did. Can't rem- I can't remember what changed, but... Well, it, I, I follow the logic of you, you literally, it's the Homer Simpson logic of let's dig ourselves out of this hole. Yeah. You, you can't. So there really was, it was the Yaz thing, wasn't it? That's the only yeah. way it was. It's a really good point, Mark. Yeah, no. Yeah. 
keep if you keep working at something, no matter how bad it was, there's gold. So yeah. so there's positive gains, you know, yeah. and 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 that's what I like to provide everybody with, you know, achievable positive gains because you can't be have these unrealistic expectations. So if I am there to provide a good yardstick that will immediately show improvement wherever possible then that was it. But Mark, can I talk to you about season two of Star Wars Spins? Certainly. About some sort of hosting capacity. Oh, <laughs> that is, that's amazing. Oh, well, I, I feel so valued. Um, <laughs> and not for the first time. So before we go, there's just one more thing we ask you to do, Mark. As I'm sure you listen to every episode that we do, you'll every be prepared- Every single one, like long-time listener, first-time caller. That's me. Every guest gets the opportunity to nominate the next guest on the show. So it doesn't matter who you pick. I promise you, we will do everything we can to get that on the next episode of Star Wars Spins. I would like the next guest on Star Wars Spins to be, and this is a biggie, but if anyone can pull it off, half an hour, you can. Simon Pegg. Yes. That is it. That brings us to the end of this episode of Star Wars Spins. I'd like to thank our special guest, Mark. You've been amazing and you've set us up with the challenge of getting the next guest for the episode. And I'd like to say thank you very much to uh, the quiz master, Mr. Killer, um, and myself. Just sit here and listen and talk. (laughs) So (laughs) I'd like to thank you all for listening to Star Wars Spins. If you've got any thoughts or feedback, chuck it our way. Um, So I will see you then. Thank you very much and goodbye from me. And goodbye from Martin and Mark. (laughs) Oh my God, Mark's asleep. Look. Yeah, he's gone. He's he's dead. It's been too long. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Spins. Don't forget to subscribe to the show from all your favourite podcast providers. If you have liked the show, please give us a good review. Head to our website, www.swspins.com for all links to our social media pages to be kept up to date with our latest news and episode releases. You can also get in touch with the show and why not send through your own question for us to put on our question wheels via email at swspins at gmail.com. The Star Wars Spins theme tune was created, written and performed by Andy Liff, which was then destroyed by the vocals of Martin Keeler and Dave Tree. Star Wars Spins is a podcast for entertainment purposes only. The views and opinions expressed here are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect our own. So for anyone who has beef, go after them, not us. Thank you.